My Mac Podcast number 224, sponsored by Otherworld Computing. Hey, it's the Macintosh's 25th anniversary. You're listening to the MyMac.com podcast with your host, Tim Robertson. And it's going to be a fun week because it is the 25th anniversary of the Macintosh. That's right, 25 years ago, January 24th, the Macintosh was introduced to the world in the famous 1984 commercial played during the Super Bowl in which I believe it was um, the Oakland Raiders. Was that who it was, Guy? Oh, Boy, I think God. it was, wasn't it the... You're just going to throw that at me at the last minute. You're man, killing I think me, it man. was the Raiders were like destroying the Redskins or something like that. I, I remember it was a blowout. And the that was ad, a good game. No, it wasn't a good game. <laughs> <laughs> For me, it was. Um, but it was a it was a good commercial. I, I always want a really close, you know. Okay, a good Washington game. Redskins and uh, Los Angeles Raiders. They Los won thirty eight to nine. Yeah, the Raiders did right. Yeah. See, mm-hmm. yeah, I know my football. I know my football, darn it. I may not know you stream very well because it's been crapping out on me for the last half hour. But uh, uh-huh. I know football, and I remember. Go ahead. We're only 48 minutes late. 40 minutes. Yeah, it's okay. It'll yeah. work for us. It's working right yeah. now, so I'm now. just I'm not going to touch it. We're just going to let it roll with it and, and see what yeah. happens. Yeah, all the people up on the Ustream, you know, if it goes out, it goes out. We're sorry about that. You know, not much we can do about it at this point. Really? It's at this point, just let it roll. Yeah. Roll with it, man. So, roll with it. so for those on the Ustream, they can see I've actually got my 1984... Vintage 128K Macintosh. It's an original. Hasn't been modified. Uh, still has, I don't know, what, 500 gigabytes of RAM in it? <laughs> Actually has 128. <laughs> 500 gigabytes? 500 what? gigabytes. That's right. I uh, don't think so. So, hey, Bill Palmer's in the uh, in the chat room. Hello, Bill Palmer in the chat room. So let's talk hey, about that a little bit, guys. Okay. Where would we be today had Apple not introduced uh, this beige little beauty in 1984. DOS 12.0. Yeah, you got to wonder. And and first, let me introduce everyone. I'm Tim Robertson. I, I host the podcast. We have Guy Searle and we have Mark Rudd. And for those wondering, uh, Dave will not be joining us tonight. Now, we'll see about next week. Um, he has some issues to take he, care there, of. There's some family things going on. We'll leave it at that. Uh, but we do want to send our best wishes out to him and his family and... Uh, Oh, yeah. We'll hopefully see Dave when uh, that all gets straightened out. And uh, you know, no hurry at all. We're, we're not going anywhere. So Thoughts are with you, Dave. Absolutely. So this is the 25th anniversary of the Macintosh, as we've been talking about. Where would we be in the computer world had it not been for Apple? And more specifically, Jeff Raskin, who started the Macintosh project, and Steve Jobs, who stepped in and, and kind of changed the direction that the Macintosh project was taking – and taking it, taking it a different direction, making it a better project than what it would have been. Uh, we'll start with you, Guy. Where do you think we would be today? Do you think that this was inevitable, that something like this was going to happen, regardless of Apple did it or not? Or do you think, because of Apple, we are where we are? Well, I, I think it would have happened eventually anyway. It, you know, I, th- I think having you know icons and windows and, and uh, a pointer and all the rest of that becomes pretty intuitive once you see it for the first time. 
And considering that the uh, the Xerox, what the Spark project, Park. I think it was right. Xerox. Xerox Park. Yeah, I mean, yep. yeah. So I mean, the groundwork was already there, so it would have happened eventually. You know, would we today have something like OS X or even the or even OS, you know, what OS nine used to look like, or even you know, the, the Windows interface as we know it today is, is kind of hard to say. I, I think that. Uh, that without Apple, that we probably would not be as far along as we are, that, that Microsoft kind of needed – and I'm not going to say copy because that's, that's such an old cliche. But th they needed someone to kind of point things in the right direction, and I think that, that someone was Apple. Yeah, I don't think that there's any doubt that you know because of Apple we are where we are. But Mark Rudd, do you remember the first time that you got your hands on a, a computer – and it had a graphical user interface, which is what Guy just said, GUI. Right. Uh, do you remember the you first know, time? I can remember it like it was yesterday. Um, oh, I happened it was yesterday, it wasn't it? Yeah, it, I think it felt like that. <laughs> <laughs> it was at Macworld. It was at Wow, this what is really what, cool. What the hell is this? Hey, is this a computer, really? It, it was like it happened to me yesterday, though. I mean, it, it was a, it was working at Apple, and um, I remember the, the first GUI that we had uh, exposure to was, of course, the Lisa project right. and um, we started getting some units out amongst uh, the various cubicles to begin to work with and um, it was when I sat down in front of the Lisa <laughs> computer first time it was an unbelievable experience as I you know we of course we're just working with floppy disks at that point but being right. able to it have had, that it had desktop, the dual floppies right they had the dual floppies. They brought they they right. brought in a hard drive actually later on in that project but uh, the dual floppies and and the thing that really uh, surprised me was looking at that desktop. And again, we're all working with Apple II's at that point, you know, green, you know, and amber screens, and just you know. And we thought that was still very cool. But when I saw it was that, it, that time, was still cool. And I remember when the the the, it, the Lisa came out and the Mac came out, it still wasn't as advanced as far as what you could do with it as the Apple II's were at the time. Exactly. And, and again, the whole thing with the Lisa, it was rather slow and stodgy but uh, being able to and the thing that was so uh, awesome for me was being able to drag and drop files and then once you had the program open and you were working within uh, you know programs like ride and and what was the precursor to claris works and and you know the drawing programs of course sure. that were that were built in there initially was it was just to me it was it was groundbreaking and it was something that I said this has got to be the future I, I, and we're hope, we were hoping obviously greatly that that would go on and, and be successful at least it wasn't but of course it was the precursor to the Mac so guy yeah, yeah the, I was going to say the Lisa was was the first one I saw as well my uh, my brother-in-law had a, a a dual floppy Lisa and he made the mistake of at a you know a big Thanksgiving dinner that we used to have at my sister's house letting everybody start to play with it and somehow between either me and some of my nieces we erased his, some of his program discs and he had to go back to whoever the reseller was and you know beg borrow or steal new program discs yeah back in the day where it was local resellers and that's where you had to buy your computer because mm -hmm. there was no best buy there was no apple, apple store there i mean it, right. it was a, a mom and pop type of shop that had the equipment. We had one here in uh, my hometown that, well, you know, I think they closed about 12 years ago at this point. 
Um, but up until that point, man, I, I was at that store all the time. Uh, now, when to be quite honest, when the Macintosh first came out and that ad first aired, I saw the ad live. Uh, my dad was a huge football fan, he still is, and we we never missed the Super Bowl. So I watched that ad, and I distinctly remember my dad saying, what the heck was that? And I said, I don't know, you know. I, th- I said, I think it's some computer thing. And we just kind of shrugged our shoulders and, you know, got back to the football action. Um, I wasn't into computers back then. Uh, in, in that, well, in 1984, I was 14 years old. So, uh, you know, I wasn't into much of anything but, like, video games and girls. But by the time I got to really get order? into computer, um, no, not necessarily. <laughs> First one. <laughs> uh, I would, well, sometimes, but um, yeah. at 14, I was pretty girl crazy, man. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, we yeah, all you were. play connect the dots. Yeah. Something like that. So yeah. when I finally got into computers, um, years later, I mean, I had, I had used them. My mom and dad had got, you know, a couple, I don't know, things that hooked up to the television. Um, so when I finally got into the Macintosh system seven was there and that's really yeah. what I learned the Macintosh on. And in some respects, I would say that system seven in my opinion, was still one of the easiest computers to use. I, I don't think there's any question that Mac OS seven and eight were much easier computers to use than the current ones. I think the, you know, Mac OS ten is much more complex, especially for a new computer user. Would you agree with that, guy? Uh, in in some ways, yeah. Um, System seven. You, you have to remember. I mean, for for those that that are relatively new to the Mac platform, uh, System 6, which was the the first operating system that I dealt with on a Mac Plus, was so very different from System 7 in that even just the way everything worked was was completely different. And they were they were trying to combine some features. Well, you got the multi-finder and 6 and yeah, all you that. Had, I mean, yeah, exactly. It, it was still so, swapping a lot of stuff, and it, it wasn't very efficient. No, no, but System 7 came along and and really took care of a lot of the problems that Systems 1 through 6 had had. And I think the real watershed moment was uh, System, what was it, 7.5 or 7.6? 7.5 cleaned up a lot of the mistakes that Apple introduced with System 7. Uh, you guys remember extensions. You'd boot up that yeah. old computer and you'd watch the extensions oh, march across the bottom of the screen. We forget about that stuff now. Um but if you go up on YouTube, you could just do a search for like old Macs and stuff. And there's people that have posted videos of those old Macs booting up. And, <laughs> and it's really kind of fun to watch. And you think, oh my gosh. And some of them, they get really close to the screen with the video camera because obviously they couldn't use screen capture to do it. Um, right. And I could still name a lot of the extensions as they're loading. You know, and I could tell is this the one that would hang on. Yeah, well yes, absolutely. Extension hell. Yep. And you know there was a robust economy in third party developers for system extension repair type programs. Or no and none of them talk to one another. No, I think I think the one that we liked I think the one that we liked the most at my Mac magazine uh, back in the the mid nineties was Conflict Catcher. That was a good one to have. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. And but yeah. you know the fix that anybody that knew Macintosh at all would be hold down the shift key and reboot because almost every time you would have a major problem with your computer, it was related to an extension or a control panel, 
And if you yeah. held down the shift key, it would turn off the extensions and the control panels as it booted up. Thus, you could, you know, get something done with your computer. And, uh, and it was called, at least where I am, I called it the, uh, the extension shuffle. I would take some extensions out, reboot. If the problem went away, I know it was one of those extensions. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's one of the things that, that I really liked about the pre-OS 10 uh, applications and the way they ran under the, the OS 9 and back. It, it, I remember there's so many people that would call and they, I'm having a problem. And you could very easily walk them through, the, you know, uh, checking their preferences and the extensions. And you could fix most problems readily where you couldn't under Windows without a, without a great deal of work. And you know, yeah. one of the, you have to know what all the DLLs mean and everything yeah. else. But, well, yeah, one of yeah. the one of the easiest things to diagnose on a Mac, and the first question you'd always ask is, "Did you just install anything?" <laughs> yeah. You know, so you look there, at their window. There you actually want to use it? Just just look at the GUI. Well, they Stay yeah. Back and look at the GUI. You 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 look at the open window and you see it's somehow the window is black and you're like, "Well, wait a minute, that's an extension that's making your appearance manager look different." And you know you throw that one out and, oh, look, all of a sudden the problem's gone. Um, you can yeah, get but the program doesn't work readily. anymore. What was that, Mark? You could get to those problems readily, very easily. I mean, you, you could get in there, you could get it fixed. I really never, unless it unless it was deducted back down to a hardware problem, I mean, there wasn't a problem that I couldn't get in and fix quickly. Uh, Ustream78111 uh, says Soundmaster. Soundmaster was a, a culprit of a lot of extension clear. problems on Mac OS 7, and uh, I remember Sound Manager was you. If you if you got past the extension march in Sound Master, um, you knew you were doing pretty good. Exactly. Uh, Owen Rubin just sent me a text message. Sorry, I thought I would be back here at home by now, stuck in traffic still. So uh, Owen was going to join us on the podcast, but he couldn't make it, and that's no, just the way it goes. Next week, maybe. Yeah, maybe. We'll see. Um, extensions. What they basically did for those who don't know is. Uh, and it was an app name. It would extend your computer's usability or right. give you functions yeah, that you didn't have before. So you can have an extension. Now, there was OS extension stuff that Apple uh, made and was part of the OS. And if you took those out, you're screwed. Like, you could take out QuickTime. The machine would uh -huh. still work, but you couldn't play any movies. And you're like, why can't I play any movies? Oh, I disabled my extension for QuickTime. And you'd have to reboot it and start up again. Mac Mommy, by the way, says she was a... Uh, uh, an yeah. extension ninja. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's, that, She's getting a twitch thinking about it. Yeah, oh, I I could still, you know, I I it was, I, man, I'm trying to remember how long ago it was. I went to a client's house. I don't do this too much anymore, but there's a there's a few people out there that I'll still work on the computer for them because they knew me back in the day, and you know, I, I feel kind of like oh, okay, I'll go help them. And, to go yeah, and, and some of them are still running these very old systems. And it's like I have to retard myself. Uh -huh. uh, no, not that kind. Oh, um, sorry. I, ha I have to scale back what I know now because it's just not applicable. Uh, the troubleshooting techniques that you know under Mac OS X don't translate back to OS 9, 8, or 7. And, of course, that goes the other way around as well, that the stuff that you knew how to fix back then has no bearing on what's going on in the Macintosh today. And I think when Apple first introduced the Mac OS X uh, in 2000, and of course the first version really came out in 2001 before that was a beta, that was a fear of a lot of Mac users, Mark, that all this troubleshooting experience they had wasn't going to be applicable 
to what they're doing now. And and those fears were were not unfounded. They they were definitely true. I mean, my first experiences with OS ten were. Uh, clearly, and I think um, Apple planned it this way and designed it this way, they, they didn't want you in mucking around with things that uh, you could previously. They wanted you to do, basically use it the way they wanted you to use it. And so a lot of things that we could get into in OS 9 and previous OS versions, you couldn't do in OS 10. So, you know, while there initially it was very unstable, clearly later it would be, become more stable, you couldn't go in and, and switch things around and get underneath the hood and, and work with it unless you wanted to, you know, really get into the hood and go into the terminal and, and do something right. that way, but clearly was very dangerous for most people. So, yeah, it was it was kind of – there was some good points to it, but then there were some bad points as well. But I do miss those days of, you know, OS 7, 8, 9, you know, and what we used to be able to do. Yeah, a much more hacker mentality as a Mac user back then for the hardcore Mac users. I mean, there wasn't too much that we couldn't do with those machines, and we hacked the crap out of them. A uh, prime example, ResEdit. How many of you guys used ResEdit? Oh, yeah. I oh, mean, yeah. you could really destroy your system with ResEdit, <laughs> and I did a few times. I, 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 exactly. I mean, literally got to the point where it's like, Wow, I'm gonna have to just completely erase my hard drive and start over because <laughs> this is pretty bad. Crank it's out hose. Uh, its hose, crank out the zip disks, and hopefully I backed everything up that I was going to need. Um, but ResEdit was nope. just, you know, ResEdit. Tim, just kind of another. Go ahead. Uh, another statement, kind of uh, along the lines of what you were saying, kind of bringing it back to where you started was, you know, if 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 we never saw the GUI interface, if we never had the opportunity to experience what what Steve, again, Steve wasn't the first one. They, they went to Xerox Park. They saw a lot of things, and, and it inspired them. And I was listening to another podcast, and I think this is kind of a, a great way to look at it. You know, they were not the first to develop the technology, nor were they the first to develop the iPod or, or portable music playing technology. Or a smartphone. Um, just, yeah, or, or the smartphone, the iPhone. But they were capable then of taking that technology and through a proper user interface and combination of hardware software make it usable and and make it uh, appropriate for all people to kind of get in and use it and i think that's where the uh, the the genius of steve jobs and the people that uh, he has hired uh, that that have taken this platform and and these other products and made them uh, something that we can all sit here and have a podcast about so let's talk about uh, our history with with the Mac and some software that we remember. Anybody remember? And I'm getting this from uh, UStream guys. Let's see who said it. Uh, the Mac Mommy Is says Jazzmaz. Uh, no, Norton. Remember Norton Disk Doctor? Oh God! Uh, that program took forever to run. You, you would you would crank up Norton Disk Doctor because you're having some kind of a problem, right? And then go to bed and go to bed because Five hours later. yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you got to remember this is like a forty megabyte hard drive. <laughs> yeah, it just took that was forever. that was the, that was the first one I ever had was a forty megabyte hard drive for seven hundred dollars. That's a lot of space though. Was back then. I yeah. I'll never Air fill this thing. Yeah. When yeah, I, I mean, the, that was a lot the, of it right there. The first time that I ever got brave enough with a Macintosh anyways to install something that's important was RAM. And I bought four megabytes of RAM for it, and it cost me 400 bucks. <laughs> so it's $100 <laughs> a megabyte. Um, I don't so have a... What machine was that? Uh, that was a Performa 410, which okay. actually I still own. Uh, it had been passed around between four or five different people, 
And um, I don't remember who had it last, but it came back to me. They said, do you want this back? And I said, yeah. It's sitting out in my shed right now. I don't even know if it boots up. But even if it did, I don't have a monitor that I can use with it. Because remember, these yeah, old Macintoshes, yeah, you had to have an Apple monitor or you had to have an adapter to plug into a VGA monitor because Apple, in all their infinite wisdom, was yeah. not using standards when it came to plugs. ADB, exactly. uh, the Apple monitor port. I mean, it was horrible back then. Thank God yeah, the for... Only, the only thing they used that was semi-standard was SCSI. Yes, um, that is true. They did use SCSI, but SCSI was prohibitively expensive. But but still... A lot, a lot faster, though. Yeah, yeah, that, it was a lot faster back in the day. But if you remember back, uh, how many times would you get a Macintosh and look all over for an adapter for the dang monitor? Do you remember that? Yeah. Do you remember those days? Well, and, well, how about how yeah. about having that adapter and they had the little slides on it? Oh, to figure out which you know, and it was like three positions for each one of the sliders. And you and the problem wasn't so much that you would have to move the slider to see how the monitor looked. You'd have to move a slider, reboot the machine, yep. and see how it looked. Oh, that's not quite right. Move it again, reboot the machine. So I when had you finally found one that worked. It would be like. Touch it and die. Yep. I had one that had a little dial on it, and it had 22 positions. Oh, oh God. I think 22 or 25 oh, positions. And, but that was better that than all? the sliders because you would just slide it and reboot. And, you know, turn the wheel, reboot. Right. Turn the wheel, reboot. And eventually, <laughs> it would work. And I found a guy, though, that to make it quicker, I would hold down the shift key to reboot the Mac because I could tell quickly, just on the boot up, whether it was going to work or not. And if it didn't, turn it off real quick. Yeah. Rotate the thing, reboot. Wouldn't it, wouldn't that, couldn't that damage uh, some system files doing that? No, it, 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 it would. All the way? Um, yeah, it probably could, but, you know, I was a daredevil, man. I was a rebel. <laughs> I took chances. Rebel. I thought differently. <laughs> that, was, yeah, that was one of the things that, you know, there are some things that were so well thought out in those early products, but then there are, there are, there seemed to be some some hardware choices that were made and, and adapter and connector choices that were made that seemed to be like, you know, wait a minute, now we've got to put one of these on here. So it seemed like it was an afterthought, you know, because it didn't seem to have the same flow and the same design elements involved in some of the other beautifully designed things at Apple. And that was always a frustrating thing. But why did they stick that on there? Why did they use that connector? And, and instead of utilizing more standardized connectors that were available at the time, and, and I can only think that it was Steve's effort to try and keep everything in-house and try and have a well, now, turnkey now, system. Well, now, remember, Steve was gone in 85, which was, I think, before the Mac 2 came out. Right. It wasn't Steve Jobs that, that decided on um, non-industry standard they did, monitor ports. They did, they did design the ADB port, which was the equivalent of, the like, the, the PS2 Ports on the PC, but there was no computer that was like the Macintosh that you could plug stuff serial into. Yeah, so I mean, it, it when the first Macintosh came out, everything was different, everything was new. So I could understand it then. But by the time that they started offering headless Macs that you had to buy a monitor with, and they went with this proprietary plug for Apple only hardware. Right. Well, um, that's exactly why they did it. They wanted you to spend they wanted more to money at yes. the altar of Apple. Yep, but there was third-party monitors that you could buy. I mean, Radius. Uh, Radius was probably the best oh, and the most yeah. expensive. Where are they yeah, today? What was, the, what was the one? What was the one that flipped? You know what I'm talking about? That was the was, Radius. We just, that was the Radius. Yep, the, that went to a went to the portrait. Yep, 
That, yeah. And that was an awesome machine, and it was you could just do it with one finger. You could just rotate that that monitor. Yeah, it was great. And, it, and it would auto, you didn't have to reboot or anything. No, and it would automatically just reorient, just like the iPhone does today. Yeah, where is exactly. Radius nowadays? I mean, I, oh, are they? There wasn't Radius. Radius, I think, was like one of the original cloners, and then there, I think they ended up. I mean, they hit some financial problems, and I think they were the ones that sold the clone license to Umax. Yep, that's exactly right. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just weird that you, you look back on the history of the Macintosh. And, yes, it was easier to use those computers as far as you can click a button and something would happen. Of course, we didn't have high-speed Internet. We didn't have Ethernet ports. We didn't have wireless. It was, at the time, if no. you were really rich, you had a 28-8 modem. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you were blazing on AOL. And even if you got on AOL, you couldn't send mail out to anybody else except for other AOL users. Do you remember that, Mark? Oh, yeah. I, I remember the days. I, I, we, we go back early on, back to the bulletin boards and, and uh, you know, eWorld and, and, and those days and where things didn't work. But even when we could log on, we thought, wow, this is tremendous. But if we could look back at those days now, we were, you know, we would think we were back in the, in the olden days before they even had seemingly electricity. Yeah. My favorite what program, was... we, were ta- we were talking about kind of some of your favorite things. That you used yeah. early on. I think my favorite program on that early Mac, the first version that I ever used, was Aldous PageMaker. That program blew me away when it first came out. I thought, wow, we can actually do desktop publishing. And I started to use that and really never looked back. I remember uh, Quark Express, and again, Mac Mommy is rem- reminding me of this. They had to have a physical dongle to plug into the back of your Mac to use Quark Express. And that's how they fought okay. piracy. I mean, that's. Well, I mean, AutoCAD still does that today, I think, don't they? Yeah, there are some companies that still require dongles to use their software. Um, but, the, man, that's starting to become such a dinosaur nowadays. With Internet connectivity, they don't need a dongle. All they have to do is be able to call out to a server and say, yeah, you're the machine that can use the software. You're um, registered. You're registered. You're good to go. Uh, remember After Dark? Remember the screensaver? Oh, yeah. That was the greatest thing. Now, I never understood because. Remember back in the day, Mac OS 7, 8, and 9 with these CRT monitors, the Apple monitors had just as much of a problem of screen burn-in Burn in. Yep. as the PCs did. And all the PCs had screensavers built in. But the Macintosh never did. I never understood it. It wasn't until Mac OS 10 that Apple actually put in a screensaver. So After Dark was... The flying toaster was the, the ultimate screensaver. <laughs> it, it was a yeah. screensaver, but it was almost it was almost entertainment for a lot of people. And there was a lot of third party companies out there. Yeah, software. Simpsons. I had I had a Simpsons one that my son Guy, when he was just a baby, he'd wake up in the middle of the night for a feeding, and I would I would literally have him in my lap in front of my old Mac Plus or my Performa five seventy five. Yeah. And I'd be kind of resting him against one shoulder, holding the bottle with one arm typing with my other hand, or when he got bored with that, I'd just bring up the Simpsons screensaver, and he would watch Homer, like, eat this giant waffle, or Grandma or uh, Grandpa in the rocking chair suddenly just blurting out all this crazy crap, and he would just crack up, and he was only, like, nine months old at the time. Yeah, and it, there was just, there was, there were hundreds of third-party developers, it seemed, that would make these modules for After Dark, yeah. That you know huge would give business. you it was huge business that would give you like you said the Simpsons and 
it, it was incredible. Um, there was, there was a lot we're of talking about the developer yeah. community that really flourished Absolutely. at that time under OS nine. There and seems previous. to me to at the time, anyways, and maybe I'm just remembering it with more fonder memories than is warranted. But it seems to me that there was a lot more creativity. At well, you the time. had to be more creative at that point. Hey, you guys want to break? Uh, well, I was going to say. Uh, Let's. I think we should be careful with our bandwidth. Yeah, if you're yeah. having problems. Yeah, I, I was going to say bring in uh, Owen Rubin, but uh, he said he's still on his crappy mic and. I don't know. We could. Well, let's try bringing them in. The worst that'll happen is we'll, we'll lose UStream again. <laughs> oh yeah, but those are those are our buds. Yeah, those are our buds. You're right. But uh, no, there there was just some really really cool. Hang on, UStream. Hold on, hold on tight. We're bringing <laughs> Owen Rubin into the chat. Hold on to your butts. And uh, it's ringing, but we're, he's not picking. We're it up. about to experience some turbulence. Please fasten your seatbelts. Are you there, Owen? My, my seatbelt's fastened. Oh, cool. So we, we've <laughs> been talking. Go ahead. Yeah, brace for impact. i got to tell you something funny. I didn't hear that Skype rang. I just launched the homepage, and I heard you say, hang on, we're bringing Owen in <laughs> Skype. <laughs> and I looked, and there was the little You're Calling logo. My That's volume was turned off. That was we've been, that is very funny. We've been talking about, for the past about a half hour now, almost, um, because we it is even, the tw- we haven't even reached OSX yet. No, we we uh, <laughs> we're talking about that. This is the 25th anniversary of the Macintosh, and we're kind of okay. recalling some of the stuff, some of the programs. Uh, we were talking a little bit about the the Macs that had the Apple only plug that you couldn't plug another monitor in. You had to have an adapter. Uh, After Dark was the last thing we talked about. How fun it was, uh, and the point that I was about to make. And and maybe this is unfair. Maybe I'm just remembering it differently. But it seemed like there was a lot more creativity in the Mac world under Mac OS 7 through 9 uh, with third-party oh, I developers. I mean, they were coming up with just crazy stuff, uh, just fun well, and to... exciting. And and I don't see that as much anymore. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think there's a, some third-party developers really making some fantastic software. Even, you know, uh, shareware developers are making stuff that rivals – the commercial stuff out there, but as far as creativity and the fun factor, it just doesn't seem to be there the way it used to. Would you agree with that, Owen? Oh, I may lose you here. My network just switched. Uh oh, Tim, let me jump in yeah. there real quick. Well, uh, you know, go one ahead, of the Mark. things, one one of the things that that I see is it was that developer community back in in those early days in in the OS seven, eight, nine, and even previous. It was. It was a really. Uh, it was a family. It was kind of the like the old wild, wild west, you know, where people are out there being creative and and doing some wonderful things and creative things. And I, I'm beginning to see that and have been seeing that in the app store. Seems to have kind of a, a rejuvenation of that. People are excited. They're some. They're doing some creative things with the platform. I'd love to see that transition back. I'm just not sure if OS 10 is a limiting factor there or not. I don't know. So I, I don't think it's OS 10. I don't either. So, Mark, I agree with you. The, the the iPhone to me and the iPod Touch feels exactly like, like to me, it reminds me of what the Atari was yeah, when it kind, came out. Kind of like, kind of like the new frontier. Yeah, and people are doing all sorts of fun stuff there. Yeah, it's. I it's, agree. I, I agree with your assessment, guy. It's the it's the wild wild west again, just like it was at the beginning of. Well, I don't want to say the beginning because. I'd probably say between eighty or no ninety five through two thousand 
maybe 94 through 2000, in the computer business, when Windows 95 was hitting, when Mac OS 8 and 9 and 7, and I mean, there, there was just a, a, an explosion of creativity from a lot of people. And yeah, when's the last time you saw a desktop theme? That's a good point. I, you know, and you know what? I loved desktop themes back in the day. So did I. I, I you know, I, I tried different ones. I had programs that would change automatically my desktop theme every 36 hours, so it would be something different the next time I got on the computer. I loved them. I mean, I don't mean to pick on that as a simple example, but that's the kind of stuff that was happening. Now, I have to admit, I worked at Berkeley Systems, and I had a short stint in Berkeley Systems, and... We knew there that no one needed screensavers. We didn't do them as screensavers. We did them as entertainment. Yeah, but they did need screensavers, though. I mean, I... I in the beginning, we did. Yeah, the old CRTs did. I don't know. I had a CRT um, as late as 98 that got screen oh. burn in. In fact, the, okay. the, the uh, my 24-inch uh, iMac monitor that I'm using has got screen burn in. Oh, really? Yep. Wow. Uh, it's, I can see it very faintly. It's from when I left my email program open for like four days, and I never <laughs> changed anything, Oops. and I had the brightness set all the way up to the top, and oh, it's got screen burning. I can get rid of it with a open, blank, white document and leave it there for a couple hours, and it goes away, uh, but it does slowly creep back in. And Well, you know, I mean, we, it, we knew that back in Atari days when we were building video games. I don't know if you guys ever remember the early 2600. The cartridge yeah. game, when you stopped playing, the reason it rotated through the colors was not because it looked cool, which it did, but it was so it didn't burn any one particular color in any part of the screen over time. Um, I got a couple of people talking about, does anybody remember making your own desktop patterns? I think everybody remembers that. Oh. I love I doing that. I made with all garbage cans. Yeah, oh, that's nice and confusing, huh? <laughs> <laughs> and I you took the person's garbage can way over in the middle, and then you put the desktop of all garbage cans. We talked about earlier on uh, ResEdit. I, I bet you've got some stories about ResEdit. ResEdit. Oh God, we used to that ResEdit was was it was was the the greatest program in the world for doing evil things to people. Oh, you could just destroy everything with it. Yeah. Dangerous well, I mean, people program. did it too. Oh yeah. Sorry, Mark. It's just it was a dangerous program, and in the hands of someone who knew what they were doing, it was you know very productive and great. But uh, yeah, it was one of it was one of those times where you could use it. Uh, maliciously, if you were so inclined. And we all there were. Have, <laughs> course, and we were. And there have been times where even working on OS ten, where I look at a program and go, God, if I could res edit that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, could, I could just fix that thing that annoys me to death, right? And, and just because I could fix it myself. Res edit was great when little things bugged you. Remember when you could change your cursor? Everybody had, like, little horsies running around when you moved your cursor or little hearts. and I mean, the... the what was that program? Kaleidoscope? Was that it? I, I remember numbers. when uh, I was using Mac OS 7.1, I believe, maybe 7.5, and Apple sent out, uh, with a couple different magazines, but I actually got one in the mail from Apple, um, a visual guide to Mac OS 8, and it was going to be the Copeland Project. Right. And they showed, um, like, for instance, uh, they had, like, a fun kids theme that if you went up to a menu and went down it, you know, scroll down the menu with your mouse. Each thing you passed over would flip over. And That's it would, fun. It, it was great. I still have that CD. Unfortunately, I can't play it anymore. I have to uh, drag the QuickTime files out. And, and But I, I would imagine if you went up and did a Mac OS 8 tour, and maybe Copeland on YouTube, you would find this 
this video that Apple released. And it was so fascinating. And, and the Mac OS had this really sleek look at the time, which Mac OS 9 kind of adopted some. But this program called Kaleidoscope came out that lets you change almost everything about your Macintosh. You could change the windows, uh, your cursor, uh, your w- icons. W- w- www.kaleidoscope.net. There's actually a website based on it. Uh, is um, it are they still selling anything? or? No, it just says the ultimate user interface customization for Macintosh. Remember, you could I change suspect- your system sound. So if you put something in the... Uh, trash can it would like burp or fart or i mean uh, you know you could do so many and, annoying things and people did that to people all over we and we were at apple originally we were in cubes mm-hmm. and there were 40 people in an area and you'd hear noises non-stop you'd probably have to go turn them go res edit them out because, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and i think that kind of that, that kind of establishes the, the 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 premise of what you're talking about and that is one of the things that happened in the transition from OS 9 to OS 10 was the ability to customize the OS without limitation. And, and, and while you can customize OS 10 to a certain degree, we lost a lot of that. And I think that that may be some of some of the some of the things that are happening to people while you know while we felt like we lost something. OS 10 is a great program, and 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 there are customizing programs available. But we all had the ability to do some of these things for ourselves. So it was kind of a, a statement of your own personality, you know, your screen, your, your computer. Absolutely. But Apple changed that, I think, with the, with the iMac, with the original iMac. Instead of what you see on your screen being very personalized, your, your little flower power yeah. iMac <laughs> was, yeah, or the Bonnie uh-huh. Blue or the pink one or the Sad. red one or, you know, that's kind of where that creativity went in some respects, I think. But, but nobody's and it's come back it. to the iPhone a little bit, I think. The iPhone has kind of rekindled that, which, again, is some of the great excitement I think people have. What was you saying, Owen? I said no one's building it either. I mean, it's. I was joking about desktop patterns but um, or, or themes, but I would love to see – I mean, I, I hate to say Windows. You can still buy theme editors for Windows XP. Vista seriously needs them, but you can still buy them for XP – and people are still making them. I don't see anybody doing anything. I didn't do a Google search yet. But does anybody even make a theme changer for the Mac these you days? You know, I saw something. Um, I can't remember who it was. There used to be a site <clears throat> that uh, I had bookmarked for a long time, and I would visit it once a week, that would show all the new and really cool desktop pictures that you could download, uh, icons. Uh, Shapeship, you're right. Shape. That might have been it. But there was There's just... something called theme changer out there, but it's still yeah, a point for OS Yeah. Version point six. You know, that you can tell that one hasn't gone anywhere. Right. <laughs> so do you think that people just don't enjoy doing that anymore? Or do you think just something was lost when we got to Mac OS ten? That it was just cool enough as it is that we really didn't need to hack it? Or that this creativity went to other places like writing your blog post or following people on Twitter or posting videos up on YouTube or et cetera, et cetera. Do you think that you know that hacking mentality, messing with our personal computer, is online now because now you can share this stuff with everybody. Whereas before, you sat in front of someone else's computer, and it didn't look anything like your Macintosh. You still know how to use it; everything was still there, but it just looked a lot different. Um, you know, we made a comment the other day that that in the in the seventies, before we all had computers, we did this with cars. You know, we're, Buddy and I were just talking about this. You know, you, you you put cars, you decorated them, you added things, you know. Then it got to the point where people were putting lights. And yeah. You just did all this customization on cars. Then it was computers for a while. Yeah. And that, I agree with you, that sort of 
has sort of gone away. Gone away. I think you're right. Now people build websites and they build blog sites and stuff. And I think that's where they're doing their customization. And I don't, I don't want to say that this is a bad thing because uh, I benefit from all these people creating this great content. I absorb it. I, you know, but by the same token, I do kind of miss it. But when you do it to your own computer, you don't really get to share that with anybody unless you take a screen snapshot. But there's really no websites out there dedicated to, hey, send us your screen snapshot and we'll show the world. I do remember sites used to do that with Mac OS 9 days that because by then everybody was on the Internet. And there was websites that were just showed pictures of other people's desktop. I don't know why that was interesting, but I remember visiting those sites. That's why that's why God had been in Starbucks. Um, we were talking about they were, they were talking about pranks a little bit in the uh, Ustream chat, and I told this one on the podcast a long time ago. So uh, probably everybody listening to this hasn't heard it. <laughs> so I'm going to retell this story. I was working in an auto parts store. I was a manager. I was a night manager, and I was actually in high school at the time. <clears throat> and they had this uh, these networked computers. They were I think they were Sun machines, and Nobody had a computer at home. And even if they did, these are a bunch of auto park guys that we didn't know computers at all. So we would just pound away on them. But I was pretty good at it. I, I became a pretty good typer. So um, I, I was closing one night, and I wasn't going to be there the next day. So I thought a really good prank would be I would pull all the keys off the keyboard. And this is the time that the keys just popped right off. So I, I took all the keys off, just the letters. And I rearranged them. You know, I would put the H where the K is and the L would be where the M is. And I just completely changed it around. And I thought it was kind of funny. And, you know, whoever opened up the manager the next morning would just pop them off and put them where they belong. So I get in there, not the next day, but the day after that. And I had completely forgot that I had done this prank. So I get in there. I sit down at the computer. And I start typing away. And I'm not looking at the keys because I didn't need to look at the keys. And I noticed this little piece of paper taped to the side of the monitor. And on the monitor, it said A equals L, M <laughs> equals N. <laughs> so I looked down at the keyboard, and sure enough, they, they didn't know that you could just move the keys back. They didn't realize that the keys had been moved in the first place because they were by sight one-finger typists. But what they were pushing wasn't showing up on the screen, so he just made this little cheat sheet. He thought there was something wrong with the computer. I thought that was just great. M equals L. and <laughs> He had the entire That's alphabet going right down. Well, just not even that, but could you imagine somebody actually trying to type on it? Okay, wait. <laughs> what, what's this one yeah. again? Oh, oh my God. How do I type my you know, what gets me is somebody had to, the, the manager the next morning had to sit there and type each key and see what it came up with on screen and had to make the new calculation. <laughs> the what, did you change them all back? Yeah, no, no, no. I changed them all back. But, I but I mean, the next morning when they got in and they're trying to type and it's not working right, he took the time to type out this little cheat sheet. So that means he had to push each button and then write down what the corresponding key actually was. Oh my that's, God. that's what cracked me up. Um, so my favorite... Frank, did, did you, you ever? That. Did you ever fess favorite? up to that? Oh yeah, I couldn't wait to tell him. Are you kidding me? I, I, I got mileage out of that for weeks. I was one of the managers. Who's going to fire me? <laughs> oh okay. Uh, I got mileage out of that for weeks. Everyone thought that was great. Okay, Owen, go ahead. Prank, we did a prank at, at Apple. It wasn't my favorite, but it was a great prank where we built a little gadget. This is before USB, so old ADB days. Where we and we would stick it in there, and it would just it would just randomly type a backspace. <laughs> so you would stick it on behind someone's Mac. And so they'd type on their keyboard, and it would start backspacing characters. 
and we got more, we had about eight of them. We got more calls from people who thought we had messed something up in the new versions of the systems because the thing kept erasing characters that all the time. <laughs> I think I told this during Macworld Expo because this is real fresh in my memory, but um, to mess with people that were, were newbies and, and also make myself look like a computer god, I would, uh, uh, everything in the Apple menu, uh, and that's nowadays the Apple menu doesn't really do anything like it used to, but you could put stuff up in the Apple menu and they had yeah. these desktop accessory programs. They were just, kind oh, of, yeah. you know, little programs. And one of them was the shutdown. So if you went up to the Apple menu, went down to shutdown, it would shut down your machine. Well, I used to make an alias of that and put that in the startup menu. <laughs> so, so every time they would restart their machine, it would go all the way through. And the last thing that the Macintosh back then would do is it would read whatever's in the startup menu. And the startup menu was great because you could put your commonly used programs of stuff that you're going to use all the time, and it would automatically launch these programs. Well, it would hit that shutdown DA, and it would just turn the computer off. <laughs> and people would call me, I can't, it's, every time I boot up, it just turns right back off. This is driving me crazy. Broken. Yeah, so I someone would. Said, someone said in the podcast they used to make a cheat sheet for ding, dingbat fonts. <laughs> That's pretty good too. Uh, not but, no, did they type documents in it? That's yeah, right. So you know, there's a lot of things that we used to do with computers, and a lot of that has kind of fallen by the wayside. Or maybe the newer, younger generation is still doing that stuff, but maybe that kind of stuff is online now. They're they're playing these little pranks against each other online. Speaking of pranks. Uh, there's, uh, uh, I guess, Wired, we talked about them last week, their site got hacked or something, and someone posted a fake post about Steve Jobs having a heart attack. And oh I guess God. it made the rounds on Twitter and a few other places, And because uh, I got like 10 different Twitter posts today saying, the story about Steve Jobs having a heart attack is fake, Wired got hacked, blah, 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 please ignore it. Um so that kind of stuff is out there still, but man, that's just malicious. That's not a, clever well, or a, cute or anything. A great way to get hits to your site, though. I sometimes wonder how uh, hacked they really are. I I hate to be the cynic. <laughs> I don't know. Uh oh. It, it, I I can understand if it was somebody like you know Bill Gates, who's you know in perfect health. Then it's kind of like, oh, okay, yeah, they got you. Yes, it's not, it's not funny with Steve. No, because the guys, you know, especially with all the rumors going around, I, that's just malicious. That's mean-spirited. And whoever did it is just a jerk. Yeah, it's the wrong joke. It is the wrong joke, absolutely. But clearly there are, uh, there are individuals and PR companies that utilize uh, fake information to draw people to their sites, clearly. So, you know, it's not something that's unheard of. I don't know. If I ever got drawn to a site on something like that, I think the last thing I would do is spend money there. I mean, <laughs> yeah, you know. Oh, well. Let's uh, talk a little bit about what's going on in the news this week. And the big news, of course, is Apple released their first quarter results for 2009. And good Lord. the big news was Obama. <laughs> yeah, well, that is kind of big news, too. And it is for the tech industry because Obama has said – that he wants to change uh, the United States of America's infrastructure when it comes to broadband, that it's not okay. widespread and that it's too slow and we're way far down the list, and that for the country that invented the Internet, for the company that invented uh, cell phones, for the company that invented the personal computer, for us to be this far down on the list is unacceptable. And I absolutely you know, agree I, with him. We went to China not too long ago. Uh, my wife's family, who are not Asian, come, came from part of China. We went to find her mom's house, and it was in a rundown neighborhood. These really old houses. There were 
you know, multiple families living on each floor. It was, I mean, the people packed in there. And this guy said, well, you can come on in. We'll show you the house. And he's typing on his computer. And next to him is a cable modem device. He called it a DSL device, but it looked more like a cable modem device. And he said he was getting 15 megabits per second. Wow. In the bad part of the town, right? Yeah. I mean, you That's know, crazy. I'm, I'm lucky to get five up where I live. And I live uh, five miles from the center of a town. Yeah, I mean, tonight, for instance, I'm trying to get the Ustream broadcast yeah. going, and it took me a half hour to do, and I'm quite sure that the problem wasn't on my end, and I don't think it was on Ustream's end. I think it was on Comcast's end. And oh, Don't get me started on Comcast. Oh, it's Comcast-tastic. I'm seriously thinking about, if it wasn't for my DVR, and I, I know this could be replaced too, um, and just my comfort level with it right now, right. I'm seriously looking at the um, AT&T U-verse. I've heard good so, things and I've heard bad things, but it is. Universe was the design we originally did at Pac Bell a long time ago, originally called Switch Digital Video. The concept is nothing is in your house but a little tiny box. Yep. Because everything lives in the head end. Now, the advantage to that, of course, is that they keep upgrading equipment. You, they, don't, they don't have to come to your house. The disadvantage is that all your signals have to get up to the head end and then come back. So there's a long delay when you hit buttons. And uh, I played with it and I have both good and bad mixed reviews about it. Yeah, I, I'm curious about it. Um, I can get it with internet access and with a DVR. And uh, one of the things I do like is I could watch any recorded program on any TV. I know that's so cool. That is very cool. So yeah, you don't have a DVR in your house. It's also very quiet. I do have a DVR in my house. It's no, not no. that loud. Uverse. Hmm. There's no equipment. The equipment is all at the head end. I'm going to look into it some more because, uh, you know, I'm just not happy with Comcast. I'm, I'm really not. I'm paying um, like 170 bucks a month. Ouch. And, you know, that's HD, that's DVR, that's Internet. Uh, the only thing they don't give me is a home phone, and that's because I don't use my home phone for anything anymore, it seems. Uh, I so use I'll my cell that, phone. I'll put that in perspective. I have uh, AT&T high-speed DSL, 6 megabits here. And then we have Dish Network, two PVRs, and all the HD channels, and I think our total bill is around ninety dollars. And yeah. I'm in the San Francisco area, so yeah. it's more expensive here. It's well, I don't so know if it's more expensive, but yeah, it, I'm just getting real tired of of Comcast. I feel like I'm getting ripped off, um, and I think it might be time for a change. So there's always that. Uh, no, podcast not brought to you by Comcast. No, let's uh, let's drop our ad in real quick. This podcast, of course, is sponsored by Otherworld Computing. Uh, we want to thank them for sponsoring us and for letting us use. I'm gonna, and I didn't give it back to them at the Macworld Expo. They know it, and they said they know where I live. Uh, the <laughs> M, <laughs> the M Audio MicroTrack Two. <clears throat> almost every single podcast that we did at the Macworld Expo was recorded on this device, and I've listened to all those podcasts finally now, and they all sound pretty darn good. Well, once you figured out the levels. Yeah, the the first day that I used it was pretty bad, yeah. but once I figured out, but it did a great job. I'm really yeah pleased with this, and so yeah, I really I, was, I really like I really like the separation too, the left and right channels. Yeah, well, it's got that stereo uh, right, built-in exactly. microphone. Well, it's not built-in microphone that you plug it in, but you can also use it as a lapel mic, which is kind of cool. Yeah, and, the podcast is stereo. Yes, well, I I convert it to mono, but yeah. Um, so thank you very much to Otherworld Computing for sponsoring us. Check them out at MacSales.com. And if you're interested in portable recording, this is a really cool device. I really like it. The M-Audio MicroTrack 2 I'm holding up for the camera right now for all the Ustreamers. That's what it looks like. It's really cool. I have to send it back to uh, Otherworld Computing. Is it, 
It's really neat. How much is it? Uh, to be honest, I don't know. You know, I didn't buy it. They just let me borrow it. So um, I have yeah, to send no, that actually... that back. And I also have this external hard drive that I have to send back to Guy, which has a bunch of files oh, on it, which I've already right. copied. Yeah, I forgot about that. Oh, I forgot about that. Uh, let's see. <laughs> let's get back to our, our big story of the week. And by the way, guys, we do have a contest. You know, we're like 50 minutes into it, and I'm just now... I haven't uh, even talked about it haven't yet. haven't even talked about it, but... Um, it's my fault. Maybe uh, we'll announce the contest this week, but then we'll actually take submissions next week. So we'll drag this out for like three weeks. Uh, big news this week, of course, Apple releases their first quarter results, and there was a lot of skepticism when Apple released the new Macs, MacBooks and uh, MacBook Pros, when all the the financial woes were starting to happen, that... A lot of people said Apple's not going to sell a lot of these. I don't know why they're making these changes now in a bad economy, blah, 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 blah. Well, guess what? They made a lot of money, and they sold a crap load of the new laptops. What do you think, Mark? Yeah, yeah I think that the numbers are, are, are very indicative of, of a shift in the consumer space. People just are moving away from the desktop. But clearly, there's still a market there, uh, the professional that – that has a, a design studio, so forth and so on. But the power that's within the, the new MacBook Pros and, and the MacBooks, uh, even the Air to a lesser degree, yeah. um, just uh, what people need, and they can take that power with them. And, and when you when you have that in a more portable it's, uh, device, it's just more practical. And so it, it doesn't surprise me at all. What is rather surprising is uh, uh, what we're reading here that there seems to be some type of inquiry that's going to be taking place as to people who may have cashed out prior to the uh, Steve taking that uh, leave of absence. Yeah, it's, it's interesting, definitely. You see that Microsoft has cut up to 5,000 jobs, and Sony oh. had a huge first quarter loss. So it seems like the two big competitors to Apple, Sony and Microsoft. Terrible <clears throat> quarter. Well, Microsoft still made a, a boatload of money. They didn't lose any money. But they're still cutting five thousand people. Um, I don't know well, they, how they that votes for Apple. They've immediately cut fourteen hundred, and there's some other deeper cuts that'll probably be coming pretty soon. Right, but Sony. Where did they say? They say from what groups? No, I, I didn't read that, but I'm sure it's online somewhere. But you see that Sony lost about three billion dollars in the first quarter. Three billion dollars, and of course, Fathom. you you look at what the first quarter what months that covered that's the holiday shopping season folks yeah um do you think that and i don't know if anybody else is putting this out there apple's got a, a boatload of money sitting in the bank yeah about 28 billion right now what do you think about apple buying sony owen no they i don't oh, think that that discussion went around even when i worked there at apple but you know uh, sony was a strong company up until now sony's always been strong the the other part of that was maybe Sony will buy Apple, but at this well, yeah, point, yeah, they used to be strong. But you know, TV Sony's TV division has not been doing well lately. Um, the PlayStation is getting killed by Nintendo and Xbox it's, again. It, so Nintendo's outselling the PlayStation three six to one, and the oh. Xbox three sixty is selling outselling the PS three uh, two to one. Yeah, and people seem to be going to iPhones and iTouches instead of PSPs. So. Uh, I, you know, Sony. I've I've watched that. Watch. I've owned Sony stock, so I watched them pretty carefully. I think Sony's just they need to find a new niche, and they're not finding it. Do you think though that Apple could benefit from buying them? For what? To what degree? I Purpose. mean, what would help? Them? Well, that yeah. they would put them in the home console market right now, and they could start changing that. 
Uh, they would be immediately that, in televisions. So if there's you said your that Apple five TV. Years ago, maybe. Yeah. You know, today, I, you know, if Apple made a television today, an LCD television today, I don't think they need anybody's help to sell it. They've proved their consumer product capabilities in the iPhone, the Touch, Apple TV, and products like that. I don't think they need it anymore. I think I'd buy an Apple TV before I would buy a Sony TV today. I don't know. I think there's a lot of value still left in that Sony brand name, uh, especially in the gaming market. And when you look at the gaming market, it made more the last two years, three years now, than movies and music combined. That's how big the gaming market is nowadays. And Apple's really not in that market. You could say, yeah, they've got some games on the iPhone, but they're not in that market. No, I would believe you on that side. I think for the music, the, the music as well that Apple would own their label, that might be worthwhile. But do you think Apple really wants to get into the owning the music? I mean, what kind of trouble are they going to get into for Monopoly if they yeah, all of a sudden exactly. own the music and they're the and, biggest distributors? And the, yeah, exactly. This, I, and and the distributorship. I think, I think, if anything, Apple might sell off the music division to somebody else and uh, just take over the consumers, electronics, and the gaming division. I think the gaming division would be a really good fit for Apple. I think that the... Number one, I've got all three gaming consoles. I've got the the PS3, the Xbox 360, and the Wii. My Xbox 360 isn't working. I still haven't sent it in. I have to recall. It's got red rings of death yet again. This will be the third, <laughs> third time, time I've sent it yeah, in. Yeah. Um, I don't play the Wii because the games on it suck. I mean, there's just no games for the Wii that's worth playing um, in my demographic, which is probably the biggest demographic of users out there. Your kids love it, right? Uh, not so much. Not really. No. No. Um, but but the PS3, the games on it are great. It's a lot quieter to play than the Xbox 360, and that makes a big difference when you're sitting there playing and it's quiet and you, your console sitting there going, that sucks. The the PS3 is nice <laughs> and quiet. Plus, it's a Blu-ray player, so it gets Apple into that as well. Although I don't think Apple really cares about Blu-ray. Um, and I don't think most people do, to be honest. I think that the the whole high def disc thing kind of came and went quietly. Um, hey Tim. Yeah. One of the just throwing my two cents in here for the yeah, discussion. Absolutely. Think, uh, That's what I brought you on the show for, dude. Exactly. So um, I think one of the strengths that and, and hallmarks of Apple Computer through the years has been the ability. Well, you know, in the Steve Jobs eras, that is, has been the ability to understand what they're in the market for in terms of what, what they're wanting to make and focusing on those areas and staying out of the areas that, uh, to that point, they're not interested in. And, and that's given them uh, kind of a leg up on many other companies. And as I think in this downturn economy, we'll see what the future is, but has enabled them to be successful and continue to have a profitability where everyone else is, is looking at being bought up, so forth and so on. There are a lot of gems in the Sony empire, some that I think Apple might be able to be successful in, but it's a very slippery slope when you begin to to, to go off and, and kind of segment yourself into other areas. And so I think Apple, they have a successful uh, combination right now and a, and, a, and a successful mix of products. It would be, uh, you know, that, that they went and spent that money and bought Sony, you know, there'd be a lot of selling off, I think, of, of some of those areas that wouldn't be uh, particular to their area. I think gaming is an area Apple wants to get into and, uh, you know, how far they want to get into it, whether they want to go into a console or not, would be inter an interesting topic for debate. But uh, they're successful by staying focused in a, in a few areas, and if they break that recipe, who knows what's going to happen. 
Well, Mark, do you think that if um, that with the economy the way it is right now, that that in, you know Apple having this, this big amount of cash just sitting there, that this is the time to to start spending that money, or do you think that uh, they should hold off and kind of see where the economy goes? You know, keep their nest eggs close and and uh, just kind of hold off. What do you think? Well, I think what they've been doing is spending their money wisely uh, by investing in some of the manufacturers of the hardware for their products, uh, bolstering. Right, but that their but that's not that, that, that's not really that's not. I mean, that's that you're talking about expanding. Mo- yeah, well, most most of the acquisitions that they've made so far have been along the lines of of you know support for existing products. But do you think now is the time to start looking at buying companies or, or buying technology that's kind of outside the, the norm for Apple? I think now would well, be the perfect time with the economy being what it is. I mean, if you're going to get a bargain, now is the time to get that bargain. In fact, if, if you look at historically any time that uh, companies have gone or nations have gone through recession, it's the companies that innovate during that recession that really come out the strongest at the other side. Which is what Apple's Innovate. really I think good that's at. The, that's the key, Tim, innovation. Um, if, they, if there's something that they could see in Sony or some other product, some other company that has a product that they're really, that's really key to the development of their future and key to that vision of innovation, then I think definitely is, it, now's the time to spend some of those bucks. Well, let's move on to uh, two more things before we wrap up this show. Uh, number one, let's talk about what's going on at MyMac.com right now. Oh, and you've got a couple of reviews up there, which is uh, kind of crazy. Two in a row. That's Two in a row. Unlikely. That that's that's <laughs> totally unlike. So, what's the J Box Mini? So the J Box Mini was is a is a little tiny battery that that ha- and it has two USB connectors. One you plug in your computer to charge it, and one you plug in the other J Box Mini to use it. And it basically will charge anything that can be charged from a USB port. So. Um, you can charge your iPhone. You can charge any phone that plugs into a computer and charges. Uh, I mean, I've used it on my Trio. I've used it on my Touch. It's a great little box, and I and I usually don't give out five out of five stars. I gave it to this one because it just does what it says it does. I took it with me to London when I was playing with my Touch, and I was able to play about seven and a half hours, almost eight hours. Wow, that's impressive. So, yeah, it, it ran down. I turned it off and charged it up while I was eating. I turned it back on. It was fully charged. I got about two and a half charges out of it. So uh, it's a very cool little box. They have a second one that's a different form factor with a little less power. I like this. It was small, fits in your pocket, charges fast, does exactly what it says it does. And your other review is in-your-face view base. What's that? So I, I noted walking around Macworld this time, and I think, Mark, you're going to do one. What's the name of the one you're doing? Uh, I'm, I'm. Well, I'm doing some – audio product so i'm not doing any oh, maybe it's the other i thought you were doing this other one like this this is a gadget that basically the story goes the guy and his wife were driving on a long trip and he was sitting in the passenger seat and he was trying to watch a movie while holding on to his iphone now any of you ever done that your arms get really tired and it's very uncomfortable and you try to set it down and it falls over and you prop it up it doesn't work this too is a very simple device it has a a clamp on one end that'll attach to a bunch of different shapes, uh, a sort of a gooseneck that moves around and positions anywhere, and then a secondary clamp that'll hold any kind of little handheld device, in this case, in the picture on the website, the iPhone or the iPod, to just clamp it to the visor and it's in your face. That's where he got his name. So I've used it. I clip it to my monitor when I'm sitting at the, at the computer. It holds my iPhone right next to it. It's and just you've, a cool and you've got a very similar device you're reviewing now as well, Mark? 
Well, it, it's similar. It's similar in one way in that it does hold. It's specifically designed. It's called the TuneFlex auxiliary with smart click made by Griffin. And so in one aspect, it's like what Owen is describing in that it holds the iPhone through a uh, an adjustable arm, but it's really designed to give you the ability to uh, plug in through the auxiliary port and hear your audio and uh, and also charge your iPhone. And, and one of the things that it has as well is it, 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 it displays this new works with iPhone, so it has the chip in it that does not interfere with the audio or with the radio and doesn't give you all those problems, allows you to continue to make calls, so forth and so on. And it also comes with this little remote clicker that allows you then to change songs and do a number of those things uh, capable in the iPhone. So it's, it's, uh, it's a nice little product, and it does support as well. <laughs> Mark, is that for the car? Yes, it's actually designed oh. for the car. It plugs into your uh, 12 volt adapter, and then so uh, these are definitely different. I mean, oh, they're, they're, so sorry. Yeah, I, I am working on a Kensington review of a very similar item. This is just basically to stick anywhere. Right. I mean, you can put like this a, one on a, a, a Gorilla Grip, you know, that just kind of it's exactly what it in. is. So the next two things up on the list are uh, recorder. It's an iPhone app review, and that's Mark Rudd. Mark Rudd, you're starting to become the product reviewer in my Mac. Well, I don't know about that, but uh, uh, Recorder was a, a great find at Macworld, as a matter of fact. Um, we had some interviews to do, and I didn't have an audio device uh, to record with, and so I started going through a number of different audio recording programs from the App Store, went through a bunch before I came across Recorder, and uh, it worked great, great sound quality, and uh, I would definitely recommend it, gave it a 4 out of 5. My Mac uh, review, and so uh, who are the two people that you reviewed using Recorder that people could hear on the uh, the podcast? Yeah, it go back and uh, I did an interview with Andreas Haas. Uh, we all know him; he's the uh, founder uh, of the of Axiotron, the developer of the Modbook, and now the brand new Modbook Pro. And then Andy Taylor, who is the uh, founder of uh, MacSpeak, uh, who make that new program for the Mac Dictate. And uh, both great interviews, great guys. So I recommend you go back and pick up that podcast and listen to it. And Brent yeah, Haven, real cheap too. Yeah, definitely. Brent Haven Metro Light Review Backpack. What is that, Mark? Well, that was a, a backpack that we got in from Brent Haven to kind of test it out uh, for MacWorld. It's it. Here's what it is. So it's that's the one that you were carrying around at MacWorld. Yeah, absolutely. That was and, a nice bag. And, and you know what, Tim? The thing about this backpack is that the year before, in 2007. I had another Brent Haven product, but it was, you know, that the big one that everybody carries that you can put everything in the kitchen sink inside of it. And, you know, those things get a little heavy on your back and they're kind of cumbersome yeah. and hard to get around with. This thing is really light, really low profile. It doesn't you hardly even feel it on your back, but yet it it will hold up to a 15 inch and, and the minimal stuff that you need. And uh, I found it to be very lightweight and very maneuverable. And I was very impressed with it. The other two uh, other three reviews up right now are all books. Uh, Gil Polson did two reviews, Mac OS X Leopard Killer Tips, and he also did one for AppleScript, 1, 2, 3. And Bakari did two reviews in one. It's uh, for Adobe Lightroom 2. There's two different books in there. So go check out those reviews if those are any programs that you're interested in using. And I think everyone's interested in using uh, Leopard, so that might be a, definitely a, a good book to check out. The other thing that we need to talk about a little bit before we wrap up the show is the contest that we're going to start next week. Now, Owen, you remember that we did the Apple quiz at the Macworld Expo? Yes, with the, the device like this in-your-face, Guy was the in-your-face there. That's right. Guy was the man. <laughs> you're, you're, you are our Vanna White guy. 
Oh, great. <laughs> Except for your, your your long blonde hair is gone, so. Yeah, yeah. Is it? What, what, what? You didn't notice at the Macworld Expo his long hair was gone? No, he's too tall. I don't see that high. <laughs> <laughs> there was a he lot has... of cloud cover that week, and you know. Yeah. Oh, and he didn't tell you about putting his ponytail and her- hermetically sealing it in a case that he holds up in his uh, in his special room in his house? No, I, but I, I, believe... I rub it. I rub it against my cheek and, and cry myself to sleep at night. It's hanging from his rearview mirror in the car. That's that's where it's at. Yeah, right, right next to my iPod. That yeah, I everyone thinks it's his graduation tassel, but it's not. <laughs> so well, I'm going to look picture right now because I, I think you're right. Yeah, I, I you know I you know guy I don't I don't think that even clicked in my head. I I'm, I'm seeing the picture now on the on the more Thursday picks from MacWorld and yeah it's gone. Imagine okay, that. I, I wasn't paying attention. So we had the uh, we had the Apple quiz at the MacWorld Expo, but unfortunately, all those listening to the podcast and watching on the Ustream didn't have a chance to participate. So there's no way that the home listeners are going to you know do the Apple quiz and and win right. anything. And I didn't really like that. I wanted to bring something home to those listening to the podcast, those who been with us the longest. So both the companies that we did the Apple quiz, ProSoft Engineering and Spec. We're doing Great a contest companies. starting next week where you can win your choice of a spec product as long as it's um, like a clear case for your MacBook or MacBook Pro or any of the cases they have for an iPod, iPod Touch, or iPhone. So if you're the winner of the spec product, you get to decide which spec product that you're you're going to get. So that's kind of cool. In fact, that's, that's great really products, cool. By the way. Do you remember the uh, two software titles that we were giving away at the ProSoft Engineering booth? Uh-oh. Deathly silence. <laughs> Nobody it was, remembers. It was clicks and, and uh, here. That's right. Very good. Clicks in here. So we're going to give away a copy of each of those programs to one winner. So we're going to pick two winners, and you can enter next week. We'll give you all the details on how you can enter. And uh, we'll just randomly pick two winners from the list of everyone who enters and uh, we'll find out what you got. So if you do enter, though, and you're hoping to win the spec stuff, send along what product that you would like to win. And I'll pick the cheapest. No. <laughs> so, so go look at the spec website. That's right. And see what's there. Because I, I have two things from spec, and they're just wonderful. I have one on my MacBook, and I have them on my iPod. Now, I, I got a – I originally, Guy uh, and Owen and, and Mark, you guys all saw the, the red clear – Thing right. that I had on my, yeah. my the clear case that I had on the MacBook Pro, and I had that for three years. That was original. I was one of the first people to review it. I loved it, and I kept it on there all the time. And it yeah, really I've got, did. I've got the I've got the clear one on right, mine. and and it really does protect your Macintosh. I really liked it for that. Um, but I was getting a little tired of just you know the red, so I got an <laughs> all black one this time. It's still kind of see through. You can see the lights and stuff. You can see the Apple logo shine through. But it's this very dark, smoky color, and yeah. I really like it. It really makes this uh, first-generation MacBook Pro stand oh, it's out. It's so really cool. sexy. It really yeah, I, I wanted to get one of those while we were out there, but they had run out. They, they were, so they were gone. And I got the last black one. It was they were yeah. gone. Um, I did try to get you one, guy, but that's what she said. She she. Yeah, I know. Said, I know. No, I, well, I mean, I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to put spec on the spot, so to speak. <laughs> well, and this is for the very first generation MacBook Pro, so yeah. it's not surprising they didn't bring a lot of them. 
Um, but you're going to have a chance to win some of this gear. Just enter the contest starting next week. We'll give you more details at that time. And hope, hopefully a lot of people will enter. I mean, it's a chance to get some free stuff. So all it takes is an email. So definitely enter the contest next week. Uh, finally, to wrap up this week's show. Before you do that, uh, yeah, how go is ahead. the contest? How was Did what? I miss that part? No, how it's, it's just going to be an email. Okay, an email. Yep. And by the way... Post and identify no, any pictures? No, You can actually take the Apple quiz. I posted it online. If you go on the blog side, I posted on January 18th, which actually was my birthday, and it says, take the Apple quiz 2009. I just exported it out of um, Keynote and yeah, HTML file files. You. Yeah, the file that you sent me because <laughs> I lost it. And uh, I just exported it and basically posted that right up on the site so you could take the actual Apple quiz that we were holding at the Macworld Expo. You're not going to win link, anything. But. You're going to link to that. Link to that in the show notes. No, it's up link there on the blog side. If, if anybody's well, it's, it's a bit, to that. it's a bit farther down now. Yeah, they could find it. Look for Tim Robertson one eighteen oh nine and take the Apple Quiz two thousand and nine. They'll find it. No problem. I, I've got every confidence in the world and the intelligence of our listeners. Exactly. Um, so you are going to link then. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, there's, <laughs> there's, there's your link. <laughs> there, there's the link. Um, <laughs> lastly. Let's let's go back to the 25th anniversary of the Macintosh. Thank God that it happened because I wouldn't be doing this right now, and who knows where any of the four of us would be right now if if we weren't talking about the Macintosh and how much it's influenced our lives and and enriched it, and in some cases made it worse. <laughs> but uh, you've taken something that was that was slightly enjoyable and turned it into a colossal waste of time. That's right. So. The one thing that I, I, I miss and don't miss is the ultimate trick that you could pull on someone that and it would work every time. And that was opening up the bottom of their mouse and taking out the little roller ball yeah. <laughs> and putting their mouse down and watching them sit back at their computer and try to move their mouse and nothing happens. You can't really do that anymore. You can if you put a piece of scotch tape on the bottom of the laser. But, yeah. man, remember the roller balls that you'd have to take out? And use your thumb to clean all the grit and grime that's clean on the up. little rollers. Oh, yeah. uh, well, there, I, st- I, st- I used to still use a trackball, and I still have to kind of deal with that every once in a while. There was this little product that had a replacement ball, but it was slightly smaller than the one that would go on your mouse. But it had this, uh, I don't know, this crusty outside that if you put it into your mouse and rolled it, it would actually clean your rollers inside the mouse all by itself. <laughs> <laughs> and and that was really cool, but it would work for about four or five times, and then it would stop working. You would not believe how it many would mice would make it back. worse. Yeah, yeah, probably. And you would not believe how many mice would come back to Apple with people who would take like exacto knives and try to scrape the stuff off, and the mouse would stop working completely. Uh, and you'd get that crap underneath your thumb when you're in there scraping and scraping and scraping. And you knew that it was happening because as you started using your mouse more and more, it'd start feeling like you're going over a gravel road. And you're like, oh, crap, i got to clean my mouse. Um, those are the kind of things that you just, those days are gone. But you know what? Well, we saw we I, saw a mouse, uh, an optical mouse at the show that used an infrared laser light. And it was really funny to watch people pick it up because that people are creatures of habit. They'd pick it up and there was no red light on the desk. So they would put it down and think it didn't work. <laughs> But it was not visible. And, and John uh, Nemo had commented in his re- – I think he was going to review it – that he couldn't – it was a battery-operated mouse. He couldn't tell when it was on because there was no red light. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, that, that's kind of strange. I don't know if I like that. The the red light just lets me know that it's working. <laughs> yeah. 
they used an infrared, infrared laser instead, and it didn't work. You, know, you couldn't see it, rather. So. What, what do you think the worst product Apple came out with ever? And, mm. and I'll say the Mac Mommy, to me, mentioned it already. Oh, yeah, I have stream. to agree with that. The um, hockey puck mouse. The, the hockey puck mouse that you couldn't tell which way was up and the side. Oh. and that was the, Who thought about a perfectly round mouse? Absolutely the worst idea ever. Don't you think, Owen? I agree completely. Mark, I own one. I own one. Oh, I still have a couple, actually. I, I, I would get a new man. Mac in, and I was an IT manager at the time. If, if one of the, the, the people got a new Mac, the first thing I'd have to do is replace their mouth. So I had okay. this uh, hanger, a coat hanger, that <laughs> I always strung the little dead mice on. <laughs> and it was always these <laughs> brand-new little hockey puck mice. And uh, remember, they they came eventually with the with the iMac it was the same color as your mac so i had like a pink one and a green one and a blue one and you know and they're just hanging from a coat hanger i had like six or seven of them at one time and but yeah, I, she, I think the worst she product, hated the keyboard too i think the worst product was the time when they had they decided that an ethernet connector couldn't be actually on the computer so you had to have that funky clip-on connector oh the box yes that what was up with that yeah I that mean, was horrible that was just bad but i still think the hockey puck mouse takes the cake I think it was the worst product that ever Apple introduced. It was just horrible. But I was not a fan of the Mighty Mouse either. Uh, uh, you know, yeah, I use I'm a Mighty Mouse not. right now, and uh, I don't mind it too much. But Is there's the a clear? lot of that, – that's just the, the regular-looking uh, Apple. Apple Mouse with no buttons and a, a little ball. scroll yeah, ball. Yeah, it's got the little tiny scroll ball on top. I, that's what I use every day, and it's just out of convenience. I just haven't changed it over. Uh, when so I put up my, the I, podcast I, studio – I took my good mouse down there with it, and I just never brought it back up. So, anyways, anyways, that's going to be our podcast for this week. Um, we will be back next week. For those who want to join us live, we'll be live Thursday, 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Join Hopefully. us in Ustream, and uh, we'll have the contest and a whole bunch of other Mac goodness, and who knows what we're going to talk about because it's kind of a topical show, and uh, hopefully we didn't bore a lot of people to death this week talking about the history of the Macintosh and our pranks and extensions yeah, fun, and I did. I, I love talking about stuff I'm like this. It's, it's fun. Oh, that's okay. On, we don't, we don't blame you. And, oh yeah, Sure. Go ahead, Mark. I want to encourage all of our, our readers and our listeners to the podcast, readers of the website to go oh, yeah. to the iTunes website and uh, review our, our show and uh, go in there and give it a, a rating and uh, get, get, get the MyMac podcast up there. So, that uh, we can all be proud of it. And also I want to point uh, those that are on the show, if you want to hear those two uh, interviews that were done, we were talking about a little bit earlier, they're on Podcast 221. And uh, thanks again, Tim, and Guy. Enjoyed being on it with you and, and Owen as well. Well, thanks for mentioning Thank the uh, reviewing the podcast on iTunes. Really appreciate that because that's something that I keep saying I want to push and push and, and see if we can get more people to do it, and I always forget. And So thanks, Mark. Right on the ball like usual. Um, you're you're our, our official little... Uh, rollerball. <laughs> you are on the okay. ball. Yeah, all, you, all you gotta do is you twist them to the right. right That's right. Good the night, then. We <laughs> use our thumbnails to clean you when you get a little crusty, you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Anyways, we're gonna wrap up the show with that, and we'll see you guys next week. Thanks for downloading and listening to the MyMac.com podcast. <laughs>